Everyone else, if you will grab your Bibles and turn to the book of John, chapter 12. John, chapter 12. I want to say thank you to our guests that are here today. I don't want to embarrass you. I'm sorry, but thank you so much for spending some time, uh, some time with us tonight. John, chapter 12. We are continuing in our journey with John series, our verse-by-verse study through the Gospel of John. And uh, we started this series in last May. And we are only about uh, halfway through, just a little bit, un- a little bit over halfway, and we got a long way to go. But I'm excited because we pick up in John chapter 12, uh, John chapter 12 today. And so um, I'm going to pray, and then we will dive right into it. Dear Lord, we thank you for this day. We thank you for sending your Son to die on the cross for our sins. We pray that you would bless this message, Lord, and that it will speak to the church the way that you spoke to me, Lord, and will give you all the honor and glory for it all. In Jesus' name, we pray. And we're thankful. Amen. Amen. So last time we were together, we were in John chapter 11, and it ended off with John chapter 11 not being so fun. Right? They, 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 just, they understand, they decide that, hey, we got to stop Jesus now because he's reaching everybody. And if we don't do something, he's going to reach, reach them all. But they had a secondary concern. Anyone remember what that was? They had a secondary concern. Who remembers? They, were, they, didn't, they weren't just worried about what Jesus was doing. They were worried about him. We were worried about what he was doing because it would affect one other thing. Who remembers? Brother Howard, do you remember? Their jobs. Their jobs. Why would it affect their jobs? Right. Right. Sure. What else? There's another thing. They're afraid of Romans. They're afraid of the Romans, right? And they're like, if if he keeps doing what he's gonna do, then we're gonna lose control of what's going on, and the Romans are gonna come in, and they were afraid, right, of Romans being the oppressing entity that the Romans were for them. And so they were really, really worried about that. And so they're like, man, we've got uh, to figure it out and, and take care of this guy, right? And then Caiaphas thinks he's so intelligent, right? And he says, man, it's expedient for us that one man should die for the whole nation, right? And they weren't talking about dying for the sins of man. They were talking about dying so that the Romans don't take us all over, right? But aren't we glad that Jesus had ulterior motives and that they meant one man dying for the nation to save them from the Romans, but Jesus meant dying for our sins to save us from it. It's amazing. So we ended up with them looking for Jesus at the feast and they couldn't find him. And now we're picking up in Romans, or John, excuse me, chapter 12, verse 1. Then Jesus, six days before the Passover, came to Bethany, where Lazarus, was, uh, where Lazarus was, which had been dead, whom he raised from the dead. So Jesus Christ is back in Lazarus' city, right? Back in Bethany with Lazarus, Martha, and Mary. Verse 2. There they made him a supper. And Martha served, but Lazarus was one of them that sat at the table with him. So they're kind of letting us know that, hey, Lazarus is back in piston punching shape, right? If you can eat, you good, right? All right. He's back at the table. Verse 3. Then took Mary a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. And the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. Anyone ever heard that song, Alabaster Box by C.C. Winans? Brother Greg, you know that song? The room grew still as he made her way to Jesus. She stumbled, right? And the whole song is just about how she poured out this ointment uh, on Jesus, right? And, and, you know, and, and how it's important. Now, these, usually these ointments were set aside for, spe- for, for specific purposes. Does anyone know a, a specific purpose that someone would save the uh, oil like that? Anyone know? 
for burial, right? So a lot of times in those times, they didn't have the kind of stuff that we have now that can help people's bodies to, um, even though they've passed, to look normal, right, for an extended period of time. And so, of course, it's not long before a dying body begins to rot and all that other stuff. So usually what they would do is they would buy these ointments that were usually embalming ointments, right? And they would use that to kind of help that smell, right? To help that smell. And so they would use that and it would usually be, so thank you, that's exactly what it was for, right? And so... Uh, anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. Who knows why it's insignificant that she wiped his feet with her hair? What does the Bible say about hair? Yeah, that it's the glory of a woman, right? And, and so for her to be able to do something so honestly, seemingly drastic as to wipe, uh, to wipe someone's feet. And by the way, it was always dusty. And gross and you know you ever heard of Jesus sandals you know what those things look like their feet were always out I know they didn't get under their toenails like they should have you know what I'm saying so it was kind of rough and so for this woman to almost degrade herself right and to do that shows how much she was willing to give all of what she had to Christ so here goes our favorite person verse 4 then saith one of our, his disciples Judas Iscariot Simon's son which should betray him why was not this ointment sold for 300 pence and given to the poor? Don't you love pious people? Well, why would you waste this ointment? We could have sold it and, and, and given that money to the, to the poor. Girl, you wasted money. We do not have no money to be wasting and you're wasting it. Right? Verse 6. Then he, this he said, not that he cared for the poor, but because he was a thief and had the bag and bare that what was put therein. We know that Jesus is omniscient, right? Isn't it interesting that he would allow Judas to be the handler of the money, knowing the kind of man he was? By the way, every time you see Judas Iscariot's name in the Bible, it's always accompanied with what? Right. He that should betray him. Every, he's immortalized as being the man that betrayed Christ. Right? And yet... He was still allowed to walk amongst the twelve. He was still allowed to, to handle uh, the money. Imagine this. Now, this is a little bit of a side tangent, but like, imagine the fact that Jesus, knowing that this man would be a conduit by which he would go to the cross, that none of his intentions would ever be pure, and still love on him enough anyway to allow him to walk in his inner circle. Think about how many times we've put people out of our inner circle for a lot less. The grace of Christ is amazing. Verse 7. Then said Jesus, let her alone. Against this day of my burying has she kept this. Okay, so he's, allowed, he's doing two things. Number one, he's saying she's done this thing uh, because I'm important to her. Right? And she's poured this out for me. Leave her alone. But also, against the day of my burying has she kept this. And so, it's interesting that she would do this, right, almost as a ritual, this embalming ritual to signify that she's embalming the body of Christ. But isn't it true that his disciples oftentimes missed that he was even going away? Yeah. There will come a time where I won't be able to be with you anymore. Well, where are you going? Right. But she she understood. And she was he said, leave her alone. She's doing this day because she's, this is signifying and he foreshadowed to his disciples a lot that I am leaving. And where I go, you can't come. Right? 
Verse 8, for the poor always have, uh, ye have with you, but me ye have not always. I want you to circle that verse. Verse 8, underline if you're an underlined person, highlight if you highlight, or look at it, whatever you do. Um, I'm not going to stop there. We're going to talk back. Uh, we're going to come back. That's not proper grammar. We're going to come back and talk about that here in a second. Verse 9, much people of the Jews, therefore, knew that he was there. And they came not for Jesus' sake only, but that they might see Lazarus also. Whom he had raised from the dead. So, right, so he, they hear about Lazarus and they're like, man, we, I mean, it's nice that Jesus is here. We're glad that he's here. But we heard all kinds of stories about this Lazarus guy. We're going to see what's, uh, what's going on with that. Because that sounds a little, uh, a little far-fetched. Verse 10. But the chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. What? Circle that verse, y'all. We're coming back to that one too. The chief priests consulted that they might put Lazarus also to death. Imagine that. <laughs> Ironic almost. Yeah. Verse 11, because that by reason of him, many of the Jews went away and believed on Jesus. So a lot of stuff happening. Mary uh, or uh, Lazarus, his sister, uh, taking her, you know, Mary taking the oil and pouring it out on Christ's feet. And, and, and you know, Judas doing judas things, right? And um, Christ coming to the defense of Mary. I love it that Christ always comes to the, the defense of the people who are being wronged. And I love that. We're going to break some things down. So uh, that's where we'll stop today. Just 11 verses. But I have four takeaways for you. Four takeaways for you. Number one. You ready? Who's ready? Because I'm about to get all up in your business. All right. Number one. Pour your all out for Jesus. Pour your all out for Jesus. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with thy soul and with that's right you said it but do you practice it you said it but do you believe it many of us love on God but it's conditional God if you do X then I will serve you God if you just help me to pay my rent this week then I'm going to come to church three to thrive right and we love to put conditions on God we love to give God ultimatums and many of us we love on God but it's it's conditional it's conditional if we feel like it. It's conditional if we feel like getting up for that day. It's conditional um, on whether or not we feel like we have done enough or not. It's, it's conditional on if we feel like loving on our neighbor, right? It's conditional. And that's not the way that it should be. When God says, I want you to not just give me the best of you, I want all of you. I don't want you to give me Sunday because it's the first day of the week. I don't want you to pay me your, your tithe because it's the first fruit of your paycheck. I want all of you. The best parts of you are not good enough. We surrender, but it's conditional. God, I'll do this stuff, but I'll only do it as long as I can keep my job. As long as I can keep working the job that I, that I dreamed of working. I'll, uh, I'll serve you as long as it's not in foreign missions. God, I'll, I'll do what you want as long as it doesn't disrupt my schedule or disrupt the flow of my planner. We serve God and we surrender, but it's conditional. We serve God, but it comes with reservations. We serve God, but it comes with reservations. Right now, we're working on multi, in my multicultural counseling class. That's a lot. My multicultural counseling class. All right? Working on that class, and we're talking about just a lot of the reasons why there's so much racial division and cultural division here, um, here in America. 
And what happens is a lot of times they are saying that there are many people who are proponents of change. But as we get to places where we work and grow toward change, many of them, before we can get to a place of real tangible change, people start to entertain the idea, but with reservations. It's conditional. It's circumstantial. And it's important to realize that when we serve God, we can't do so and have it come with reservations. God, I'll serve as long as so-and-so serves with me. God, I'll serve as long as we have X amount of people in the church. God, I'll serve as long as it doesn't cost me anything. God, I'll serve as long as it means the homeless don't touch me. God, I'll serve. You know, we, and we do those kind of things, and that's not how it should be. Mary had a very expensive oil, and we know that they were, we don't have any indication that they were a very, very wealthy family. Uh, but what we do know is that something that's expensive as oil was something that was savored and something that was kept for a very long time and the reason why that was the case was because it was expensive it cost a lot of money to have this oil and so they would take it and they would pour it and and store it away and she didn't just pour some of it she poured let's look at it verse four again then uh verse verse three and mary uh, took a pound of ointment of spikenard, very costly, anointed with the feet of Jesus and, and wiped his feet with her hair and the house was filled with the odor of the ointment. We, uh, when it comes to our hair and skin at, in our house, we use a lot of natural products. Um, um, I'm someone who suffered a lot. I, have, uh, I used to have eczema. Anyone ever had eczema before? I had eczema. I, I, I don't know what it is. It might have been the Florida humidity might be good for something. Uh, but um, it ended up going away. But it was really, really bad. My sister had it really bad also. Uh, but because of that, I'm prone to really dry skin and really dry scalp. Right? And so I know y'all see me with my waves. You know? But it's not just about that. It's more so because I know that if I don't take care of my hair properly, I am going to... My hair is going to be dry and flaky and dandruff and... Um, you see my wife I got healthier hair than my wife does you know what I'm saying but because my wife didn't have that problem and so I'm very familiar with black castor oil and tea tree and argan oil and coconut oil and grape seed and all those other stuff and I, my whole my shelf in the, in the house is just filled with a lot of that stuff well one day if anyone noticed about anyone know, familiar with tea tree oil tea tree oil tea tree oil is really expensive but tea tree oil is also very very uh, strong it's potent. If you use tea tree oil, I mean less than a dime amount. It's, it's strong. Child, I dropped an entire bottle of tea tree oil on the floor and my chest. <laughs> right? Number one, because it was expensive. Number two, because that smell is worse than anything. I mean, when it's, it's so strong, like you can hardly breathe. It's that kind of strong. We find here that, uh, that this ointment that she uses, was, it's, it's a great amount. It wasn't just a little bit. It was an expensive amount that she pours out on his feet. My question to you is this. What aren't you willing to hand over to him? What is it in your life that's stopping you from giving your all to Jesus? The Bible says in all things that Christ is to have the preeminence the first place spot in our lives. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added unto you. Putting yourself first is actually putting yourself last. And putting Christ first is actually putting you first. You don't just pour out to Jesus because I see it. Many of us, we come to church and, or at our homes and we pour out to Christ and we say, God, I'm so convicted in God. I'm so broken for this. And by the time the invitation is over, we get up and we dry our tears and we get home and we forgot what we even talked about at the altar. And we live an entire week without spending any time with God before 
Sunday is great, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad you're wearing your Steve Madden shoes and your King James Bible, and I'm glad you have all this other stuff, and those things are nice. But what's most important is that you don't just live for Christ one day of the week, is that he gets your Sunday, and your Monday, and your Tuesday, and your Wednesday, and your Thursday, and your Friday. There are no vacations from being a Christian. And there is no coasting being a Christian. You are either increasing or you're decreasing. Your salt is either, either being that preserving mechanism or it's lost its savor. There's no in between. What is stopping you from being that? This little light of mine was causing yours to not shine. What's causing your salt to, not lose, it, to lose its savor? What's causing you to not be the kind of child of God that God wants you to be? That God doesn't require you to be Abigail or Eunice and Lois. He doesn't require you to be, uh, to be you know, Ruth. He doesn't require you to be the Apostle Paul or Peter or, or to be King David. He doesn't require you to, to be anything else but broken. The Lord requires of you as one thing as a broken and a contrite heart. The Lord will not refuse. He wants you to give your best to him that thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. And the second is likewise unto itself that you will love your neighbor as yourself. What's stopping you from doing that? From pouring it all out. Number two. People will discourage you from giving your all to Jesus. People will discourage you from giving your all to Jesus. You guys know my testimony. I grew up predominantly poor. That's just the way that it was. Um, and I remember that uh, I saw that God had given me some different gifts. It might have been oratory, um, different stuff like that. I wanted to be a lawyer. Um, I wanted to do something lucrative, right? And I remember when, I, when God called me to the ministry, the people closest to me did not approve. This is your chance. Like, you're our shot to go out and do something that's going to bring us money. Right? That's going to take care of us. That's going to help us. And you chose to be a preacher. Nice. Nice. Because that's not lucrative at all. Most of us are, it's not lucrative at all. Brother Dominic was throwing some jabs at me this week. We were talking about, um, about just what it's like looking for a house and different stuff like that. And uh, we were just talking about some different things. And he kind of just, we were cracking a joke. And he was like, man... You're a Baptist preacher, so you can't afford X, Y, and Z to, to be, you know what I'm saying? And to, He's trying to help me to be smart, help us to be smart as we start to entertain this idea. And uh, it's funny, uh, but there are people, those that were closest to me, that were trying to stand in the way of God's calling for my life. My own immediate family. Why would you do that? Why, why would you waste your talents? Why would you waste your gifts? Judas the traitor was doing the stuff that he always does, right? But there'll be people in your life that you would hope would love and support you for being sold out to Christ. And that's just not the case. There are going to be times when those that rise up against you are going to be the ones that sit right across from you. And I believe that's a big reason why the Lord says that in in his word that there'll be a time where he divides the wheat from the tares. That he divides the sheep from the goat. That in, in turn, the wolves will, will show their teeth 
And you've got to be careful because there will be people who stand in your way and will discourage what you are trying to do for God. Why would you waste your talents? Why would you waste your gifts? Why would you waste your resources? Why would you waste your Saturday? Why would you waste your Sunday? Why would you waste those things? Why would you? You can miss one day. You can miss this. And look, it's your prerogative how much you do give or how much you don't give uh, to God. But what I want to ask you is, will you stand when everyone else stands against you? You ever think about those kids from Columbine? Anybody ever think about them? And you know a lot of the story about what was happening. They were executing people who were believers. That was one of the questions they would ask, the pe- they would ask them. And how much bravery do you think you'd have? If like we've been hearing in the news all over the place, I got a letter in, in, in the mailbox this week from the police department that said they're offering safety classes for what to do in case of an active shooter comes to your church. And if someone comes in here or a group of people come in here and they're armed and all of us, yes, Brother Ray, I know, but all of us are sitting, on, sitting there and we're on our knees and we're execution position and they say, recant your faith or die. Don't answer out loud, but how many of you think you actually could? How many of you think you could when you can't even read your Bible? When you can't pray? When you can't love your neighbor? When you can't be someone who is in pursuit of victorious Christian living? My goal is not to be judgmental when I ask you that. My goal is to tell you this. If you can't handle day-to-day Christian living, how, would you, how could you be able to stand at an extreme like that? Because... Many of us would recant our faith for a lot less than someone holding a gun to our head. People will discourage you from giving your all to Jesus. Will you stand when everyone else stands against you? Number one, pour out, all of, pour out your all for Christ. Number two, people will discourage you from giving your all to Jesus. Number three, Christ should be given preference over everything in your life. Christ should be given preference over everything, over your life. The preeminence over all those things. Let me ask you this. How many times have you chosen things other than Jesus? Do you realize that surrender to Christ is not a one-time thing? It wasn't, the, it wasn't October 17th, 2004 when I bowed my head and asked Christ to be my personal Lord and Savior. It wasn't October 24th, 2004 when I stepped into a baptistry and got baptized and wore my spiritual wedding ring, so to speak. Surrender is every single day. Let those that follow me take up their cross. How often, church? Daily and follow me. Do you realize that every time... That you fall into sin, that you have chosen your sin and the weights that so easily beset you over Jesus. Remember that we were talking about that, that, that theory that no one is ever truly addicted. Remember we were talking about that? And how no one is actually truly addicted, but the consequences just aren't high enough for them to stop. Now, we know there are different things, of course, with stuff like nicotine and whatever. Different stuff are, we know about uh, the state of euphoria puts people in and, and, you know, the different chemicals that go along with it. But we talked about if someone walked up to your kid and was like, you know, stop doing drugs or the day that you do, I'm going to shoot your kid. You'll probably stop. 
right? Because the consequences are high enough. It just so happens that for many of us, breaking the heart of God isn't a high enough consequence. Every time we slip into a way, now none of us are perfect. I'm, Lord knows I'm not. If you're anything like me, you've had to ask for forgiveness multiple times this week. But many times we choose sin over Christ. The weight over Christ. It always tickles me. I love what Facebook during big events is hilarious. Super Bowl Sunday is coming up. My wife's family's excited. I laugh at them every year for being Texan, uh, uh, Tennessee Titans fans. We'd walk in. <laughs> we'd walk in, Brother Billy and my, uh, my brother-in-law, my oldest brother-in-law. He comes in. He has his Titan hat on all the time. Titan shirt or Titan hoodie. Titan little bracelet. And I just, <laughs> just kind of chuckle at him. He's like, what's funny? I'm like, you know what's funny. How about them Titans? I'm like, what about them? Right? This year, the Titans are going to the Super Bowl. Big, idea, big thing. And it's always funny because you see all the preachers come out of the woodwork. Well, bless God, we're not going to move our services so that y'all can go in and get involved and blah, 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 blah. And it's just, it's funny because I don't really think it's that big of, it's that serious, like where they're at, like it's not that serious. But also on a much bigger scale, as it does kind of get to me sometimes where I just think like how many times do I just put minuscule stuff over Jesus? How many times? Like I could probably get up early enough to read my Bible if I just went to bed at a reasonable time. Yeah, I mean I spent time on Instagram today and Facebook and Netflix and Hulu and Disney Plus, right? I spent time doing all these other things but then when it came time to read my Bible I was too tired. And how could we ever lay down our life? I have a book in my office called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Anyone ever read that book? Or heard of it, at least? And the gruesome things I used to do to those people. Where they would tie them to chariots and drag them until they were physically dismembered. That they would cast them into a den of lions and watch them be ripped apart. I mean, the disciples in themselves, we know that, that Paul was, was axed, beheaded. We know that Peter was crucified upside down. We know that... John was dipped in oil. We know that, you know, we don't even, and that's just them. We, the Fox's Book of Martyrs is filled with people that are died very gruesome deaths at, the, at, the, at the, the cost of Christ. And yet every day we give Christ up for a lot less. For a lot less. I know this world has responsibilities and things that take up our time. And you are to be a good steward of all of those things because God has given those things to you. But Christ is to have the first place spot in your life. So the question is, what haven't you been given up for him? Remember in the Bible when they kidnapped the Ark of the Covenant? Remember that? The, 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 I believe it was, a, what was it? Philistines. The Philistines, thank you. The Philistines, they came and they, hooray, we got a victory. We kidnapped the Ark. This is the, 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 the cent, this is the foundation. I mean, this is the cornerstone of why they've been so victorious. We got them. And they bring the Ark of the Covenant back to their camp. And remember they go in and they sit the Ark of the Covenant next to the false god Dagon. And they come back and it's knocked over. It's knocking over stuff. Well, you know what's sacred? Pick it back up. They come back again and 
It's back on the ground. They come back again, and who knows what it looks like this next time? Anyone remember? It's disfigured, right? It's completely just destroyed. You know, Exodus chapter 20, verse 5 says, I, the Lord thy God, am a jealous God. Which means he's not going to share your heart with anything else. And yet so many times we try. I love my wife with all of my heart, but she can't have Christ's spot in my life. And I know that my and that's one of the reasons why I fell in love with my wife is because I know that it was the same thing for her. I saw that she was sold out and that she was a servant. She loved the Lord much more than she loved me. And that's how it should be, not just for our relationships or our occupations, but that if anything gets in the way of Christ, we would be willing to sever it for him. Pastor, that's extreme. No, it's necessary. The life that I live, the life that we live is not no more for ourselves, but for the one that died for us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. A living sacrifice. Uh, let me slow down. I get excited. <laughs> present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto God, which is your what? Your reasonable service. What does that mean? The least you could do for me dying on the cross for your sins is to live for me. Have you been living for, did you live for him today? Did your life, did your attitude, did your demeanor, your disposition, the way that you talked to people, the way that you handled your business? What about yesterday? Or the day before? Because there's no days off as a Christian. You live your life trying to honor and glorify Christ every time, every day. Number one, pour out your all to Christ. Number two, people will discourage you from giving your all to Jesus. Number three, Christ should be given preference over all of the things in your life. And number four, and lastly, sometimes people won't come for Christ, but they'll come to see what he's done. Sometimes people won't come for Christ, but they'll come to see what he's done. They came and they said, hey, we didn't just come for Jesus also, but they came because they heard about this crazy thing that happened with Lazarus. Wow, we got to see what's going on. It's the same thing that happened with the woman of the well, remember? He goes and he, she goes back to her city and she says, wow, there's a person that I met. He's an incredible person. He's shared things with me that no one knows. Yeah, I gotta come and see what this guy is all about. And the Bible says they came and what happened? That they, all, they came and they got saved. But do you remember what they told the woman? We didn't come because of your word. We came because we got to see for ourselves. What does that mean? That means that's why your testimony is so important. You know that there may be people in your life that will not be willing to come to Christ off rip. They may not. There are people in your life that swear, I will never step foot in a church. I don't want to hear anything about what church is for, about what it's about. But people can't deny what they see. And I've even seen it. I I don't want to embarrass them, but... I get to see, uh, I've been volunteering at the Academic Success Center at uh, Seminole State. Even a lot of today, I was helping people, uh, uh, a lady who's doing social work, and so I was helping her with her APA formatting and her citations and helping someone else with some grammar and composition. Um, but I saw somebody one day, because that's where, uh, where Brother Mike is a paraprofessional, and he, uh, I heard someone come in one day, and they said, man, what's, what happened to you? 
And I'm just listening, right? Because I'm like, okay, this is this guy in our church. We'll see what they're gonna, what's going to happen. So I'm over here like, and I'm sure he's sweating because his pastor's sitting in the room, you know? And uh, so you're just different. It's like night and day. And he was like, you know what? I got serious about the Lord. And I got in the church and God's just doing great things. And guess what her second question was? Where is your church? Where's the address? What are your service times? And I've seen that happen where literally just someone's life caused, open the door for him to guess what and do what he did get to do, which is share the gospel with her. Your life, as cliche as it sounds, may be the only Bible that some people may ever see. People may not want to come to Christ like that, but they might come because your life testified of him. You need to live your walk out loud. Be ye holy as I am holy. Use your, door, use your life to be a, a back door to Jesus. They may not want to come just right off the principle, but they see what God is doing in your life or they see your joy. It was amazing at Miss Ruby's funeral. People were just talking about how joyous and how kind and how loving she was. And the reason why she was able to have that was because there was not one single interaction that I had with Miss Ruby that she not bring up how important the Lord was to her in her life. Is he important in yours? Is he important in yours? Like the woman of Samaria, you, will, you have the opportunity to go out. Listen to me. Some of you guys have people that you can reach in your life that I will never even get to meet. That I will never even get to meet. And you may be responsible for planting the seed in their life. Have you been doing that? I'll, I'll, I'll share this and then I'll close. I had a teenager that used to be in the youth department a couple years ago. And she came to my office one day she said, Brother Xavier, I'm going to talk to you. And so I said, come on and have a seat. And she said, I'm having a hard time witnessing to my friends. And I said, okay, well, talk to me about what's going on. She said, the truth is, I tried to invite them to church, and they said, why should I come? You're just like me. You're just like me. And she said, I'm hurting because I might have been one of the only chances that they got to come to know Christ. And, it, and that, might, that shot could be blown because my life did not show Christ in his. As it reminds me again of that, the time I was out doing door knocking with my youth department. And I shared the story with you a few times about how we're going there and one, I went out on the door and one of my friends from band, she was, in the tub, she was a tubist like me. And she opens the door and uh, she said, hey, Xavier, what are you doing here? Me and she said, hey, so-and-so, she knew him too. And I said, you know, we're from, uh, we're from Starlight Baptist Church. We're just out inviting people to church, you know, just want to know if you'd be willing to come out. And she said, man, and she gave me a big hug and she's like, I knew you were a church boy. That's what she said to me. But she looked over to my friend, she said, oh, I didn't know that you went to church. And he was so like, and I was like, I ain't going to judge, but in front of all your friends, it's tough. And as funny as that was, and we ragged him for it a little bit, you know, he was, we were close friends. And so we did. We just were like, ah, look at that, you know, but it terrified me. How many people don't even know that I'm a Christian? 
how many people don't even know that Christ is important to me? Or that I'm in church Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday for youth, depart- youth group or soul winning on Tuesdays or whatever it may be. Did it ever occur to you that you could do all of those things and still not be a light? Remember what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 14? He said, man, if you have the tongues of angels, or if you say to this mountain, be removed and it move, but have not love, then it's just nothing. I mean, if you're out here and you're doing all this other stuff, he says, you're, you're, as, you're as a sounding brass, man. You're just, you're just making noise. And even Paul said, follow me even as I am a follower of Christ. And many of us know that the reason why you really don't witness is because you know you haven't been a good example and that they wouldn't take you seriously. Pastor, that's tough. No, I'm just being real. Because I fully anticipate standing before an almighty God someday and him saying, Xavier, there are some people that slipped through your grasp because you weren't faithful. Are you? Are you? Something to think about. Let's pray.